welcome to Resilience Found, a podcast of stories shared in hopes to inspire, encourage, and most importantly, let others know they are not alone. Everyone has a story to tell. Do you want to tell yours? Today, I'm going to share my personal journey that I went through, which eventually led me to starting this podcast. And I'm showing up authentically, going to be telling this off the cuff. And with that, uh, you know, this is unrehearsed, so I ask for for grace and understanding. And I remember back when I was going through a lot of the um, the feelings and processing emotions that I'm going to be talking about, and I remember thinking to myself, I really wish I had someone to talk to about this because. Uh, the conditions that I'm going to mention were ones that my doctors weren't really able to give me a lot of info on, and I wasn't really able to find other people that had um, exactly what I was dealing with. And so my thought at the time was if I put this out there, then someone else may hear it, and it may really help them, and that's all I can ask for. It's been a great experience doing this podcast. It's given me so much purpose. I've interviewed people that I've never personally met. I've interviewed friends. I've interviewed friends of friends, uh, former coworkers. It's just been absolutely incredible, and I'm so thankful. I had a hard time getting pregnant. You know, I got married. I moved across the country from Chicago to Seattle, and I've always been a very healthy person. I've been very into, you know, eating organic and really big into CrossFit and yoga and really conscious about uh, what I put on my body as far as, you know, I've used uh, the salt spray deodorant, for instance, for years, um, try to use fragrance-free products, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, I, I thought I was this and I and I was and, and still am thankfully a healthy person and you know my husband is too and I just I guess you know you don't think that uh, you're gonna have a hard time conceiving and next thing you know you know a couple of years had gone by and nothing had happened and you know we're start asking ourselves and each other so what's going on here and. Uh, as a result, we started fertility treatments, and it took a couple of uh, IUIs, which is interuterine insemination, to uh, conceive my son. And so it was definitely uh, a nerve-wracking process, you know, not as intense as uh, maybe IVF. You know, some of my guests on previous shows have talked about um and that would have been the next step to consider. But I think it was my second or third cycle that we uh, conceived my son, Alec. And so, you know, that wasn't an easy journey in itself, right? And then really the reason that, back to, again, the reason that I started this. So once I found out around Christmas time that I was pregnant with my son, back in 2017, everything was fine. I felt great and, you know, of course, overjoyed, so happy that 
that it had happened. And I remember starting to feel like some kind of weird pains. And I went to the doctor and they were like, oh, well, your uterus looks like it hasn't flipped over because I guess mine is retroverted, so it's flipped the other way. And they're like, usually by this time, the baby makes your body just naturally, it flips over and you don't even realize it. But for some reason, yours hasn't. So <laughs> that kind of started off the journey of uh, having to see a perinatal specialist, which I didn't even know what that was at the time. And they said, you know, if this doesn't just flip on its own, we're going to have to manually do it. And that's not going to be pleasant. So we suggest that you stand on your head, you know, do like a yoga handstand, whatever you got to do to try to get, uh, be inverted and try to get your body to naturally flip. And so that was sort of nerve wracking because they thought that my, uh, I can't exactly remember, I think it's called an incarcerated uterus, which is, sounds really strange, but I uh, don't quote me on the medical terminology, but it's something with your bladder can become, uh, compromised and it can be kind of an ugly situation and so of course I was like oh my gosh um okay <laughs> so I started doing my little wall walks and uh yoga handstands and stuff like that and sure enough uh eventually it did flip so that was good so that was sort of like the first glimmer of this isn't going to be a super fun pregnancy that you see uh people posting on Instagram and all that kind of stuff. So then things still felt normal, felt fine. We decided that we were going to go on a baby moon to Hawaii and kind of like our last hurrah together for a while, or at least as just the two of us. And so we had a great time. I think I forget how long we were there, but at the end of the trip, I remember waking up in the middle of the night and just experiencing horrific pelvic pain and I was scared to death we were staying uh, in a remote part of the big island Hawaii and so it's not like there was a hospital down the street and I just was so upset and uh, my husband didn't know what to do and so I just kind of tried to breathe through it and I didn't know what was happening I was scared to death we were leaving the next morning luckily uh, I was afraid of the plane ride. You know, what's that going to be like? I called my doctor's office in the morning, and I said, I told them what was happening. And they said, well, take a couple of Advil for the plane ride. And this was at the end of my first trimester, so I was like, and they always tell you, you know, don't take ibuprofen or that group of drugs. Um, you know, take Tylenol. And I said, well, I can keep taking Advil. And they said, yeah. You know, it won't be an issue, and that'll help probably a little bit more with your pain and get you home. So I did that, and luckily that was okay. Um, managed through that. And then I went and had an appointment as soon as I got back to see what was wrong, and they said, they did an ultrasound, and they said, you know, it looks like for some reason your cervix is shortening. And I said, what do you mean? And they said, well, your cervix is, it's supposed to be a certain length, and yours is not. And it looks like it's shortened even from 
the last time we did an ultrasound. So we need to keep an eye on this because this could result in preterm labor. And I said, okay. I said, well, what would cause that to happen? And they said, well, we're not exactly sure. You know, it could be that, you know, you have these fibroids <laughs> in there, and maybe that's what's causing it. You know, we don't really know. And so, uh, you know, I'll explain that. So back, gosh, probably in like 2015, I think it was, when I was still in Chicago, I had had a... Uh, ovarian cyst rupture is what they think happened. I basically ended up in awful pain, had to go to Northwestern Hospital, and they did an ultrasound and said, oh, yeah, it looks like you had an ovarian cyst rupture. And by the way, you also have some fibroids in here. And I'm like, I do. I said, so what's that mean? They said, oh, nothing. It's really common. You know, they're just non-cancerous uh, growths or tumors, but they're not, no big deal. Don't worry about it. Okay. And so fast forward to 2017 when I'm pregnant, and even before I had gotten pregnant, I had asked my doctor and had an ultrasound to see if these fibroids would be an issue since I knew I had them. And they said, no, you know, where they're located, and they're so tiny, and it wouldn't be an issue to a baby, whatever. So <laughs> back to when I realized that now I had this cervical issue, they said, well, we're going to have to keep keep an eye on this and do some other ultrasounds to see what happens here. So I said, okay, so things were st still going okay. I kept getting these intermittent uh, pains here and there, but nothing too crazy like I had experienced in Hawaii. Well, towards the end of the second trimester, I had to go to L.A. for work, and so I went, and I was at a conference uh, in Hollywood, I think it was, and, you know, I did quite a bit of walking, and I actually felt great. The weather here in Seattle was really gloomy, and so I thought, well, okay, the conference ends Thursday afternoon or Thursday morning. I'm going to just take the afternoon and sit at the pool and get some sun, and so I did. I flew home that night because I had an appointment Friday morning to check this cervix situation. Well, luckily for me that I made it home and went to that appointment because I remember the radiologist doing the ultrasound and the look of alarm on her face, of course, <laughs> upset me. And I said, what's wrong? And she just kind of shook her head, and she's like, I have to go call your doctor. You need to go there right away. She's like, I'm going to call and let them know that you're coming. Um, this could be, you know, this is something that we need to uh, take care of, like, right away. And, again, I still didn't really understand what, take care of what. And, um, you know, you just have this knot in your stomach, this feeling of dread. And so I get over to my doctor's office. Well, luckily, it was really close, and you know, she kind of sat me down and said, listen, like, I just got off the phone with radiology, and they oh, have let me know that your cervix is so short, and your baby is right there, that I've already pre-admitted you to the hospital, and we have to do a surgery to essentially sew your cervix shut with a stitch, 
So in hopes to keep your baby in there. And I want you to know that there is a chance that this will not work. You know, you might have an infection. We might not be able to do the surgery, so we have to run some tests. Or you might end up delivering him stillborn. And I just froze. Um, I could tell you what I was wearing. Uh, it was one of those moments where everything just stops. And I remember just kind of like staring out the window in the doctor's office when she was telling me all this. And I felt like myself start to get upset and she's like I'm gonna call your husband and we're gonna have we're gonna take you over to the hospital right now and I said okay and uh I remember getting to my hospital room and this really sweet nurse I remember her name was Shannon and she was like oh it's gonna be okay because I was just I just had the tears were flowing <laughs> like a faucet. I thought to myself, okay, so I've all this time thought that things were going to be, you don't think about all these things. You don't know about these things. And um, like it wasn't easy to get pregnant. And then now that I am now, I might not even have a baby now. And just like this overwhelming sadness. And uh, she was so sweet and just was just there with me, like totally empathized <laughs> until my husband showed up. And I remember having to call to tell my parents that, hey, so I'm about to go in for this surgery and kind of tell them what was going on. And uh, it ended up that the surgery went well. And... The doctor told me that I'm going to give you a pretty good chance that this stitch will hold, but we can't promise that it will. So we need you to be on bed rest. And I said, okay, so like, what exactly does that mean? Well, you can take a shower, you can get something to eat, but that's about it. And I was someone that traveled for work uh, once or twice a month. Also, you know, I had been still exercising and and that was another thing, too. I had this overwhelming sense of guilt that, well, gosh, because is it because I've been traveling for work? Is it because I've been still going to CrossFit or taking walks? Like, did I somehow cause this issue to happen? And they said, absolutely not. Definitely not. We encourage you to be healthy and moving. Think that your fibroids essentially made your uterus so angry <laughs> because your fibroids are growing so then as a result of all the hormones from the baby and your uterus is contracting so hard and so you know just basically pissed off that it's shortening your cervix so, like that's what we think is happening and it's not something that's typical but we're pretty sure that that's what the case is and I'm like okay <laughs> so <laughs> You know, then you're also frustrated that you were told that these things wouldn't be an issue. Um, which, again, just comes back that I remember a friend of mine saying, you know, Andrea, they call it medical practice for a reason. And, you know, she's right. They don't always know, and there's so much 
that is unknown still about women's health and they diagnosed it as irritable uterus and incompetent cervix. So <laughs> I had to laugh because the adjectives to describe the conditions that they give you, you know, you're like, lovely. <laughs> and so bed rest was tough. Um, my work at the time was super understanding, so that wasn't a problem. And had been working from home already, and so that was kind of a welcome distraction. But it was really hard to just always be thinking, like, gosh, like, is this going to work? And I can't, being such an active person, I'm no longer this active. And, you know, I would sit in the backyard with my dog and <laughs> watch him chase bugs around the yard. And, I mean, that was a welcome distraction. Um, I remember my husband taking me to a nursery, like a, I love flowers and, landscaping and all that kind of stuff and he took me in a, a wheelchair <laughs> around this like massive nursery that's here and I was definitely blessed that the weather here was getting better and uh, that the sunshine definitely helped but it was definitely isolating and frightening because the pain never really stopped I actually had to take progesterone um, every day and in hopes of keeping the baby in and also the Advil. And all the way through, I think it was almost to the end of the second trimester, and I remember asking, well, I thought I wasn't supposed to take this stuff. And they said, well, yeah, and that's why, you know, we have an ultrasound every week to make sure that the Advil isn't affecting the levels of amniotic fluid because it can but we also know that that's going to help the most with pain. And so every week, I, which was kind of cool in a way, um, a bright spot was that I got to see my, my baby uh, in there. But, you know, you're always frightened because he was right there, and you're like, what are they going to say? Because my doctor, and I think maybe she just wanted to give me the worst-case scenario, but she would always say, you know, Andrea, I want to prepare you that this doesn't work if he needs to make it to like 28 weeks um, is what we consider a viable pregnancy. Um, there's a chance, she goes, I don't think you're going to make it past like 32 weeks, so you're going to be in NICU for a long time or for a while. Um, she's like, and I just, I want you to prepare yourself for that. And I'm like, how, you know, I, I, you know, he was my first child, you know, how do you even... You don't know what you don't know. And I remember one of my friends saying to me, well, I can uh, get you a tour of the NICU through one of her friends. I'm like, nope, I, I'm good. <laughs> I'll cross that bridge if I have to come to it. Because I felt like at the time it just would have upset me more. And so, yeah, I mean, dealing with weekly ultrasounds, not really knowing if he was going to make it, um, and the pain, the amount of pain was just brutal um it's a way to describe it I mean I consider myself to have a fairly high pain tolerance and uh it was scary I mean my husband he also traveled for work and he you know obviously continued traveling and I would be home by myself my parents weren't living here yet I did have my brother luckily close by but 
it was hard. It was hard, you know, kind of not ever knowing what was going to happen and just being stuck in your own head, not able to move around a lot. And so luckily, uh, when it was 28 weeks, my church had asked me to do kind of like a little welcome for Mother's Day. Like, can you just greet everyone up on stage and all this? And I said, sure. So, and it just happened to be that Mother's Day was the day that I was officially 28 weeks, which officially for my uh, doctor's office was, he would have a pretty good shot at making it if you do deliver early. And so after that, welcome I gave and I, ac I actually during it I touched on what I was going through because I had kept it uh, pretty pretty close to the vest um, I didn't really share with a lot of people what I was going through both physically and mentally and after that I remember like after service was over I must have had gosh at least five or six different women come up to me and say oh my gosh, you know, I lost my son five years ago. I went through miscarriage. I went through infertility, like all these different stories. And just like, we're so happy and just, you know, that you mentioned this, that you brought this to light. And that's kind of what the catalyst was behind me thinking, well, gosh, like people have these stories that they don't share because for whatever reason, and it, it is getting more common, but a lot of people don't share what they're going through with infertility or pregnancy loss or, you know, even the one woman had lost her child and people don't, and, and understandably, like it would be incredibly, those are difficult things to talk about. And I also wasn't talking about it, but I knew I was like, because I had asked my doctor, well, are there other people that have been through like the stuff that I'm going through? And they're like, well, yeah, but it's not that, you know, these things you have aren't very common. And I remember searching online, like trying to find other women to talk to. And it was just, it was hard because you want to talk to someone. And so at that moment, I was like, you know, one day I'm going to put this out there for someone else to hear. And hopefully that this other person will hear it and know that they're not alone. And I always had that idea in my head and I never forgot about it. And so uh, back to, you know, I, I was lucky back to... Uh, the pain <laughs> that I was going through in bed rest, the stitches were removed right at 36 weeks. And I had my son within two days after having that out. And so, um, you know, luckily he was only a month early and no major issues. Um, he was healthy and I was just overjoyed. I remember thinking, I can't believe he's actually here. Like, I can't believe I'm actually holding him because the picture had been painted that I might not get to. And yeah, I mean, it was, it was intense. And, but at the same time I made it and I definitely think that, you know, in hindsight, I should have opened up more about what I was dealing with, with uh, close friends. I did have a close friend here that had been through her own difficulties and had been uh, hospitalized bed rest actually 
and she was like my Yoda through <laughs> going through this. Uh, you know, she was a huge, huge support to me. Um, and I'll be forever thankful for that. My friends at church, my friends at CrossFit. I mean, I had some colleagues that were just very supportive and, you know, of course my husband, um, my family, but feel like I should have been more maybe open with my feelings, been more welcoming for support. And, you know, I know dealing with it, like I would journal about what I was feeling. My advice to others dealing with something similar would be, you know, whatever works, like if you can't move, you know, you can't really go for a walk, but if you can just, you know, sit in the sun and maybe if you meditate, if you pray, you know, whatever your thing is that kind of chills you out and gets those feelings off your chest. The journaling, the talking to a close friend, I mean, I would say don't be afraid to open up. People might not know exactly what to say, but just to know that someone is with you is huge, huge support. And as cliche as it is, what really helped me is, you know, the saying, it's one day at a time. And that's exactly what it was, was uh, as difficult as that was. And as much as that saying used to kind of annoy me, uh, it was true. And each day uh, that would go by that everything was okay was, was great. And I was thankful for that. And... Know, I would say that just don't be afraid to communicate and don't be afraid to to let others see you and see that you that you're struggling um, or that you're afraid. And I later, like a year after I had him, I actually had those fibroids removed just to have them out and be gone. And so <laughs> that was a relief as well if I ever want wanted the option of having another child, they were like, that is something you would absolutely have to do. And I think that that was definitely worth doing. But, yeah, I mean, you know, you don't, nothing's ever guaranteed that it's going to be easy. And definitely lean on those that are most supportive. And I'm thankful that I went through what I did because it definitely has helped give me purpose too, especially through this COVID journey and being laid off and things like that to to finally get to do what I wanted to do, which was to put my story out there to let others share what they've been through and inspire others and bring, you know, bring notice to the fact that you're not alone in a lot of these things. And yeah, it's just been, it's been incredible. And I'm so thankful that for those of you that are listening, and I appreciate you. Thank you so much.